What about your situation, Sol? Will you be staying at Tottenham? I'm staying. Hello and welcome to... Podcast and number three. Yeah, Sol Campbell is a hero. Um, so on this podcast, um, we're going to talk about the current Arsenal Spurs transfer news. Uh, we're going to look into the budgets for the teams because both Arsenal and Spurs have very interesting budgets. Giving a tribute to Daniel Levy, that's part of, part of the show today. Well, just football owners in, gem- in general, specifically Daniel Levy and mm-hmm. the the villain that is Stan Kroenke. And also the finish off with the hero and villain of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Let's start with the Spurs transfer news then. Alright, you've come to the right place. Um, <laughs> but there isn't much happening, is there? Well, there's the, there's the slight progression in the Indombele in deal. There's not much happening, but Leon said they want 63 million. Reportedly, Spurs have offered 55. Um, there's the deal which looks apparently looks uh, close to, to being done, which would be very exciting. But it would be the first transfer in a long time for Spurs. It would be Jack, Jack Clark from Leeds. <clears throat> Who? Jack Clark from Leeds. He's 18 years old. He's a winger, um, rumoured around 8.5 million, um, which could be done um, within the next week, which is what we've been told. Um, so apparently, some bookies have suspended betting on it, which means that they think it's a done deal. That's that's quite good. I mean, we'd be first signing. <laughs> People were betting on it. Yeah, apparently. To, for, for who? For Jack Clark. Jack Clark. Jack Clark. Has he done anything this season? Um, I have consulted with several Leeds fans, and they say he's very good, and they're very annoyed that they're letting him go for eight point five million, which I don't know. It, it, it would fit in with, with the Tottenham sort of transfer uh, philosophy, I guess, of, of going to the lower leagues um, and looking for lower for, for players, different players. Right? I mean, it happened with Delhi Ali was the big example, obviously. It worked quite well for us. The other news is that uh, Kieran Tierney. He also made a bid a confirmed bid and I think a confirmed second bid now. How, how much was the bid in the first bid 20 million I saw, fif- I saw 15 oh, that was the first the, bid the approved bid then was 20 million yeah up to 20 million let's say yeah um, he would be a great signing but it would mean we have three left backs so I mean probably one of them is getting cut but I haven't seen any news for any of them being Looks like, yeah, I'd assume it's Nacho going, just because mm. he's probably the worst of the three. It's oldest as well. Yeah, and, and Klaas Nacho we just bought like two years ago, so mm. sending him now would be a bit... But Kieran Tierney? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been told he's quite good at, at Celtic, my my, my, uh, my contacts at Celtic Football Club. Um, I saw that John Hartson, the former Arsenal and Celtic player, um, also the Welsh guy on Match of the Day, um, he called the bid for Tierney an embarrassment, and he was very annoyed that, that Arsenal would offer such a low bid, £15 million, apparently, for him. Um, yeah, It's just Arsenal's policy to not to go splash it out big straight away, but... He still is. He looks like he probably will. He'll probably sign. I feel. Yeah. I feel like if Arsenal do need to sign, it will be a great signing defensively because we do need defenders. Because other than that, we haven't really got another. There's no other defender that we're really being linked with apart from the Anderson guy from Sampdoria. But other than that, I haven't really seen anyone else being linked with the attacking um, players. The annoying thing with with. Uh Tierney is that I sort of liked him. He seemed like a nice guy. He was Celtic his whole career, and now I have to hate him. <laughs> it's annoying. Well, he's going from a Champions League club to a club without Champions League club. Yeah, I, I sort of wonder why you do that. Because um, you're playing to Arsenal. 
Exactly, he's playing for Arsenal. Why, why would he go? It added to my point. <laughs> but other than that, Carrasco, nothing's happening with Carrasco right now. We've just got in again for Nkunu. And who? Nkunu. We were going to get him on a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and now mm. he looks. Apparently, we're getting in for him again. Is he playing the uh, Dennis Suarez role? The Aaron Ramsey role. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's these sort of players. There's no one big. It's a big problem because I feel Arsenal need to kind of sign someone mm. quite like strong, like a centre back probably. Yeah, There's yeah. quite a few centre backs currently talked about being on the move, like um, Godin's leaving. Uh, Called Inter, I think. Delit. There are lots, lots of centre backs, but none, none go to Arsenal for some reason. Could have, but I mean, I didn't with a ton. Could if only there was, there was some, there was some difference between Arsenal and other clubs. Like maybe Champions League football. The, the Johnny Evans still. <laughs> We could be doing that Johnny Evans deal that's supposed to happen a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, that would be a very good typical Arsenal. We don't have anyone to sign, so let's sign. Johnny Evans uh, just, just brings excitement into you as a, as a fan of a club, seeing Johnny Evans sign for your club. Well, a big part of it is the Arsenal budget. Or lack thereof. Yeah. We've only got apparently £45 million to spend this summer. Yeah. So mm. we've got £45 million to use, but that's not much compared to... Teams. Forty-nine million is, a mu- is how much you think you'd spend on one player right now. Yeah. If you were a big club, like, if you're a big club, you want to spend forty-five million per player, not forty-five million in total, unless unless he just wants to sign one player. Mm-hmm. But that would be the the rebuild of Arsenal. I get, I get, it's forty-five million probably plus however much we can make from transfers. So like sales, is Unfortunately, one of those players isn't leaving, and the other player isn't leaving either. But <laughs> one of them we want to leave. But I mean, there, wasn't that that a few weeks ago when Aubameyang removed the Arsenal player from his he bio? Back. It's fine. Yeah. But I don't think I hope, hope I don't think Jacker or Mustafi have. So they even two could be gone. I think Jacker came out publicly and said he's staying, which was very exciting as a Spurs fan. Arsenal fans want him out of the club desperately. Well, he still hasn't put his name, the Arsenal part, in his back into his. Really? Instagram, so doesn't the, make the the fifty million deal to Inter, which <laughs> that would be insane. Though it's not like like what is happening with football. If if Xhaka goes for fifty million, it's just he's just not a good footballer. He's not a good footballer at all. Like there's nothing to him. He's an okay footballer. He's not fifty million man footballer, but he's not twenty million he's a Premier League level footballer. Just about. No, he's oh, come on. As an Arsenal fan, he, what, what does he do as, as a footballer? He's not low with him. Long balls, league. long ball. He does, and that's it. Other than that, he's, he fouls everyone. He's got no te- no technical ability at all. What is there to him? I don't know. Other, other than having fights with Tottenham players, whichever. He's, he's got just, a good shot on him. And he's got a, has he? Well, he has. He scores got, a long range shot every now and then. Yeah, but he's got he's got it on him. Vlad Kirigo has a long range shot. It's not his job to have long range shots. Okay, but it is for for Xhaka. It's not. It's not. Got that amazing goal against United where it did a looping deflection thanks okay. to his long range attempt. Also, plays Arsenal's complaining doesn't shoot enough, so really, yeah. No, I, I thought Arsenal's were stupid, but well, that's the, well, also, also the other Arsenal news happened this week was it's not many Arsenal news, but Serge Gnabry hey. won the Bayern Munich Player of the Year, mm-hmm. which I thought which is quite interesting considering. And then Bellerin put a thing out saying he wouldn't get into the West Brom team. Yeah. But he couldn't get in the Arsenal team either, which didn't make so much sense. But it's a bit annoying when you see this sort of thing. Yeah. It was it was always it was like it was always happening when he left Arsenal and he went to wherever in Germany. And then, Berlin, I think and then he did okay there. It was always like, Oh no, this is gonna happen now. And then he signed for Bayern Munich and not Arsenal fans, but 
fan, fan, football Spurs fans, also like, hmm, how did he get into the Bayern Munich team and then he just won Player of the Year? Mm-hmm. So, an awesome manga prodigy, achieving <laughs> greatness, as you could say. But unfortunately, Arsenal no longer have so. So, Gabby would be amazing for Arsenal right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he would have developed under Wenger if he'd been there for. Wouldn't have played at all. Would been loaned out probably. So, probably wouldn't have been the player he is. So yeah, Arsenal's budget is forty-one million, and a big part of why it's so low is because there is no Champions League football, and that that makes a big impact to Arsenal. Just because the finances came out a couple of months ago and. It really showed we have like forty million pounds less income now yeah. than previous seasons because of no Champions League football. As well as we've got debt still, which no one has talked about. But apparently, Arsenal was selling debt for for what reason? I, I couldn't tell you the exact things that they were in debt for. It isn't the stadium? But it's some sort of. I think it, it's not loans. I don't know. But we are in some sort of like this something which we have to pay twenty million per annum for. Per annum? Oh wow! Big finance word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and there's a big problem here because lots of teams get this, but um, lots of teams have these a similar sort of debt. But luckily, the owners invest. Mm. Unfortunately, mm. the Arsenal owner doesn't invest. <laughs> Not at all. And therefore, we don't have. <clears throat> Tom Cronky doesn't invest in Arsenal, so therefore, we have this debt that he has to pay back. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, he won't be able to pay it back. And then they'll have to sell the club. Now, Spurs have got finances somehow. Yeah, so it's we've got this season. Spurs made a 139 million pound profit, which is a world record. Um, which you might think, because the stadium, we spent I don't know 500 million in loans, 1.2 billion, I think it was in the stadium. Um, then we wouldn't be able to have any any budget. But through um, through basically accounting tricks is the way the Spurs got. To have a, a 139 million pound profit um, because the stadium doesn't count. The stadium is an asset. It is not paying taxes. <laughs> the stadium is an asset, therefore it doesn't isn't considered a profit or a loss. Um, and Spurs only have to pay depreciation costs, um, which is the, the the decrease in value of the stadium and interest on loans, which, is, which averages about around 20 million a year because they're paying over a 50 year period. So it's around 20 million a year. It's boring stuff. But basically, means Spurs currently do have a budget, with our compared to Arsenal, who do not have as much of a budget at all. Well, there was a figure that came out, which was t- teams' investments from owners, and Arsenal are the only club in the top six, and mm. in lots of, and in basically one of the only clubs. It says Swansea on this list, but they're obviously it's not. Last the year, team. isn't it? It, was two years ago. it says between two thousand eight and two thousand seventeen. Also, the only club with no owner financing. Mm. So all their income came from just operations, basically, and kind of revenue and all that. And Matt and Spurs, Spurs didn't have much either, but there was well, with, a slim part of owner financing. Um, with Spurs, though, all three um, income streams of match day, broadcast, and commercial rose to record levels for Spurs. With match day income um, rose by fifty six percent due to the move to Wembley. Because the average attendance at Wild Lane was around thirty, sort of thirty six thousand was the maximum capacity. Um, compared to Wembley, where the average was around sixty, seventy thousand. So you've obviously a massive increase in in attendance, um, and yeah. So a big part of our, no budgets comes from the owners and all that. And Arsenal have a terrible owner, as everyone knows. Spurs have a 
odd owner. He's done well for Spurs, but he's not really done much. There's sort of a divide among, among the fans with him as to whether people like him or not. I'm, I'm a fan, personally. You haven't really experienced him without Spurs I without true, him. I have not experienced but he, he well, Have you ever experienced Spurs not being very good? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> mm. he, he, Daniel Levy actually bought Tottenham in the year that I was born, 2001. So that, that's a little personal connection we have. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he bought it in 2001 from Alan Sugar, obviously. Um, he bought 29% stake in the club and became chairman. Um, but around that, that time, you have to put in, in, in perspective where Spurs were as a club. In the 2001-2 in season, we finished ninth. The year later, we finished 10th. Um, and in 2007, when he bought 80-something percent of the, the club, we finished 11th. Um, you have to, that, that, that's where, where the club were, were when Levy took over. And if you look at where, where we've come in, I mean, I don't see how it shows anything other than positive for Daniel Levy. But I don't know how much is that down to him. I think quite a lot of it is. Really? Yeah. He's, not, he's not financed Spurs in any way. Um, yes, he has. Um, I think that the he, he has a, he's had a massive part in getting massive sponsorship deals for Tottenham. And and making and and the fact that the fact that he's he's run Spurs as a, as a financially stable club has um, has helped us to get to the level we are today. And the fact that he always expected us to be top four, now we're pretty much established top four club. Um, and well, the new kit, the new kits are practically out, and that's so. There's a big part of that. They've, is been, down they've to been leaked. The, well, they're basically out. Because, yeah. And a big part of the we, we've a big part of no, just a big part of income here is just the sponsorship you get from kits in general. Yeah. Arsenal obviously have Emirates and they've got a new deal now with Adidas, which yeah. is worth quite a lot. And Spurs now have Nike. Spurs had, Spurs had a, Nike. Spurs had a, had a big increase, not Nike. Spurs had a big increase um, in sponsorship deals. I'm sorry. Price. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nike is how you pronounce it in America. I know I'd usually pronounce it as Nike, but it can't happen to be American to say we're Nike. Not, we're not in America. But the true pronunciation is Nike. But no, it's not. It's Nike. Um... <laughs> no, it's not an argument. It's Nike. Any crazy people call it Nike. Um, Spurs, Spurs, uh, Spurs sponsorship deal from Under Armour, who made better kits than Nike, in my opinion. Um, they was there was a significant increase in the sponsorship price, so now Spurs have more money from the Nike deal and the AIA sponsorship and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and possible stadium naming rights, which hasn't haven't been decided yet. But that, yeah. So, so you're saying Daniel, you think Daniel Levy has done a good job? Even I think he's he has invested so much. He has done a good job. He has done a very good job. Just getting the club straight. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the right path. Because Stan Kroenke has done the complete opposite with Arsenal. He's bought an Arsenal. Bought, bought him? Is that a word? He's bought Arsenal. Yeah. In 2008, I think 2007, 2008, and well, he became majority. Majority shareholder was this year, wasn't it? Was this year, but he had like 30 percent in 2007, 8. So he had a big part of it then. Mm. And he's done a terrible job since taking over. Yeah. Well, for the first year, he managed to, he managed to, I think, get our worst possible, our worst recent um, income or revenue or something like that in mm. however many years in his this past year. And so, well, I, I say that, but percentage-wise, you remember, TV revenue is going up. But obviously, the other stuff is going up as well. So overall. It became our biggest loss, like percentage-wise, compared mm. to other years. Um, he isn't just he's, so. Stan Kroenke is basically a typical billionaire with a lot of money to spend. But he's a typical American billionaire with a lot of money to spend. So a lot of American. He owns he owns like a NHL team, an MLS team, 
and most most commonly known a an NFL team in the LA currently LA Rams. He also owns a lacrosse team. If that's it, any interest mm. anyone? But if you ever want a lacrosse team to support or, or abuse or, or abuse, depending on if you're an Arsenal Spurs fan. Um, I mean, probably if you're, if, if you're an Arsenal fan as well, you want to abuse the Cronkies teams. Yeah, but Spurs <laughs> don't. Do we don't? Why do you hate? I guess I guess because he's making Arsenal bad. I guess that that's a good thing. Yeah. So so if you want a lacrosse team to support, maybe as a Spurs fan, you might <laughs> want to support that. I don't know where you'd find lacrosse on TV. <laughs> But who knows with the new stuff that they show nowadays? Does um, does Conky do much um, transfer activity as as owner or as he? In in these American teams, but American teams and for Arsenal. Well, with America, he's I think he's involved in any transfer. But in America, especially, there's no real like transfer stuff. But he did do a big thing in America, which is what I want to talk about. Which is he has a proper big lawsuit kind of going on because mm. he recently. In recent years, moved the Rams. They were pr- previously in St. Louis, and they moved to LA. But there's a big thing in America of where you're based, because if you're based because of how big America is, you're mm. based in that city. That's going to generate a lot of your fan base. You're going to because of it's in per city. And St. Louis mm. have a very big history of I think sports team in general, and now they don't have an NFL team. And he he basically is in a lawsuit because he claimed he would do everything he could. To keep the Rams in St. Louis. So that's his quote. He's, he said that. Mm-hmm. I'll do everything in my path to do that. However, he then moved them a couple of years later to LA. And there's now a lawsuit going on from some Louis companies about, and with him and the NFL in general, about whether or not he 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 can, whether or not he, I don't know what the exact term was, I can find it, but um, it's mainly down to he. It's some weird business term about you have to you can't lie like that because they put a lot of money into it. The St. Louis companies in this new stadium and this sort of thing, and so now there's a there's a currently a big lawsuit going on. Recently, in about a month and a half ago, in April, mm. he he tried to put the lawsuit into arbitration. What, what does that mean? Give us a little bit of uh, arbitration means um, uh, it's where you try and settle it behind outside of the court. So he's basically, I think, they, they, him and, and the NFL know that they were in the wrong and that they've done something wrong. So they're trying to now, because it's a one billion pound lawsuit, which is, mm. he's a rich man, but one billion, he's only got, I think he's worth about eight billion. So one billion is quite a lot for him. Mm. Yeah, if he has to pay that off. It's the NFL as well, but, so he's now trying to settle it outside of the court, which is uh, which makes quite a point, but apparently this happens quite a lot in America with these sort of cases where owners move teams. But St. Louis are one of the only teams that um, are doing it. So Cronky is a not a liked man in Arsenal, and he is not a liked man in St. Louis. Yeah, but he is the typical American versus owner because there's a lot of there's a lot of arguments between the difference between American owners and British owners and how the businesses work in both days. Because in Europe. We focus it on winning things. I don't know as a Spurs fan if you'd know that. But they, they focus it on winning things more, so it's more about getting titles and, and there's relegation involved. So I'm not smaller even, teams I'm not even bothering arguing that one. That's, that's just a cheap point. But, but I'm just saying, this is the typical... And that is the UK. That is how it works. It's mm-hmm. We try and build things up. We want to build teams through winning and not so, through building a profit. And yeah, and America is, is, profit, is more profit-based, whereas... We are more interested in the competition, and in clubs could make a could make a loss, but it, the the goal of having a football competition that 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 is a bigger goal. 
than uh, profit, profit uh, maximizing Res America. So when it comes to profit maximizing, Levy has been has run Tottenham very well, and one of the ways he's done this um, is with his his um, sort of reputation as a very very tough negotiator. Um, there have been said lots of quotes, and lots of some of them are probably myth. But uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, when he signed Berbatov from Tottenham, he said that ne- negotiating with Levy was more painful than his than his hip replacement. Um, and um, the Lyon president, when uh, said when when he signed Loris, that they were the hardest negotiations he'd ever had to go in 25 years. Um, there's plenty of stories with uh, with West Ham. He didn't have a good relationship with Karen Brady. They wanted Adebayor on loan for some reason. Um, I don't know why he wanted him on loan, <laughs> but he wouldn't give them. He wouldn't give them um, Adebayor because they they were a perceived rival. I don't know. <laughs> they were a rival of us. Um, and then there's a quite well, I know a story um, of when Gareth Bale left Tottenham. Um, this is the original offer from Real Madrid was £55 million for Gareth Bale. After two meetings with Daniel Levy, Florentino Perez then signed Bale for £86 million, And then Levy went to try and stop Madrid selling Ozil to Arsenal, <laughs> which didn't work. But he, he's, um, he has a reputation with Real Madrid as well um, when he was... Um, if I remember correctly, on that day when Ozil left, Mm. The Real Madrid fans were actually singing Ozil's name. They were, yeah. They wanted him to stay. Because mm-hmm. it was the same day, yeah? How and wrong they were. Well, they, he might have done well He might have done well in Real Madrid. He could have. I don't know. He, had, he didn't have a bad start in England. He's just... He's not really been... I wouldn't say he's not been £40 million, because he had probably been about £40 million. But he's not... We've not done We've not done well for the investment, basically. No. Not. We've not generated our... Yeah. Income, no, sort of like we've not. He's. I mean, he hasn't been worth every penny he spent on it. No, I'd say he's been around forty million worth. But has he? Yeah, he's probably I mean, quite a few assists. As the song goes, he only costs five mil. He's better than Azil. Um, Deli Ali has scored more goals than Azil. I think. But, uh, I think it's, it's a similar amount of assists Azul's for five million compared. Scorer, um, been a goal scorer. Oh, okay. Or much more right there, has he? No. Has he? He won. He got most assists in a season two years okay, ago. That, that's true, but he, I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. It hasn't been consistent with assists. He's like Ericsson's got more assists than him, for example. Well, I don't know because the Eric, thing is, he's okay, this, the past two years or so he's lacked a lot of game time. So yeah. the first couple of years he did have the first couple of years he was consistent with his assists. Okay. But this year he didn't get so much. Yeah, busy busy playing Fortnite instead. Yeah. And with that that famous back spasm. That, that was hilarious for, for the, the derby when when Oni Emery says oh, you've got back spasms. <laughs> it, it is quite obvious, but it's, I don't know why Arsenal are trying to play it off. Like he... they, at, at the fixtures, we're looking at the fixtures, and there's a period where Arsenal play. I think like Liverpool, then Tottenham, I think then then City or Liverpool, uh, th- three big clubs in a row. And I think that around that period is when Ozil's back spasms are going to start suddenly <laughs> appearing again. Um, well, um, it's a typical Arsenal thing, but you were talking about Gareth Bale and all that. Yeah, with, with Daniel Levy as well. Is that another thing? Is that Kroenke uh, notably doesn't doesn't turn up to games as an Arsenal as doesn't turn, watch Arsenal at all. Not so much. Um, yeah, you know, on rare occasions, I don't know exactly when. Whenever um, he's in London to sign another business deal. Yeah. Whereas Levy Levy goes to I'm pretty sure I think every home game and most of the away games as well. Um, he's a Tottenham fan, like our previous owner Alan Sugar, who was less popular, but he um, is a Tottenham fan, which is helpful. Um, and his reputation, I think, yeah, to go back, to go back to that, is is a reputation as a, as a tough, uh, tough negotiator. Gets what he wants usually. I don't know if it's about, I don't know if it's about um, being a fan of the team because to do well because Chelsea, like Abramovich, isn't a Chelsea fan, mm. but he goes to every game. He 
cares a lot about Chelsea. It's his main thing, other than the Rush Loyal money. But <laughs> that's like his care. But I don't with Kroenke because he's got so many other teams that he bought. Mm. I think with Arsenal, it's not his main. It's not even his main income. I don't think. I think the NFL brings in more than per per for just a single team than Arsenal. So it's not his main focus. I don't think so. Much. I don't think that being a fan helps though. I mean, and do you want the club to do well? You actually you are passionately involved. Um, rather than Kroenke, who doesn't really, he's not really pretty detached. I'm sure they to do that, and it didn't really work out so well. It's true. And we, there's lots of t- play, manage, uh, owners that have done that. Elton John with Watford, and mm. they, there's, if you're a fan, it's nice. It's nice for like the fans to see that you care, but for actually how successful the club is, it isn't. Like in, even with Kroenke, he was born in Missouri. Yeah, mm. sorry to go keep going back to America, but he was born in St. Missouri, which I think is in St. Louis. So he he was in it was his hometown. He was mm. a St. Louis Rams fan, yet he still decided to move the stadium there. I think I prefer to see though to see an owner as as a fan of the club rather than a detached billionaire um, who who will, will I mean who, who will invest won't invest. I don't know. I mean with with like Man City we can go into that. I think the owner there is detached and not a Man City fan as far as I know. I don't think there's a massive City is, following in in Qatar. Um, but it's the thing is he cares. Yeah. I think about Man City now because it's his main yeah. his main source of income. Which is main. He's having a laugh. He's he's an owner of the team, so he'll have help invest in them because Kroenke invests, just not in Arsenal. I think invested. I think he invested. I think it was up to a billion pounds, just not in foot in his in his sports teams. Just I think seven hundred fifty million of that was for the LA Rams to move stadium. So <laughs> it's like a business motivated move, but it shows he cares. Yet he doesn't care about Arsenal. Mm. <laughs> With Sheik Mansour. Um, is that his bit of fun goes involves spending a billion pounds on Man City? <laughs> if only our fun involved that too. Um, the the uh, the the troubles of being that rich, poor guy. Supposedly he isn't actually spending that much money. He is spending that much money. No, no, I think no. We have the, the stats, I think. Supposedly it isn't him. It's the Etihad that are spending. Mm, the, the, the company I assume he does it through uh, but he does it through, through Man City because there's a whole financial fair play issue with a lot of teams and it's become a key thing now because Man City are probably the worst the worst culprits of it because worst or I mean, depends on your perspective on, on, on financial fair play as a rule well no but they're the worst at meeting financial fair play because yeah, they are the basically yeah, most their funds come from come from the Etihad deal that they've got I think it's Four hundred million they get, they got for Etihad. Mm. Plus, they've got more for naming the stadium and for. Yeah. And, and there, are, there are allegations that they they uh, exaggerated prices of the, of the deal um, in order to. Well, they were they were fine for it. Yeah, they were fine. And and they were restricted then for a certain amount of time to a forty nine million pound budget. Oh. I think that's a forty nine million pounds. Must be terrible. Again, surplus, so you can can't go mm. over forty nine pounds. Of just get, your yeah. own money, but you can sell players and yeah. still do that. But in in, in so two thousand forty-nine million, it was a lot back then. In two thousand eleven, um, City made the, the biggest loss of a club in history of one hundred ninety million in one year. Um, this, I mean, this was towards the start of the Manso period. Um, is that they needed that sort of investment from an owner from from some other source um, in order to make the club from a mid-table club to winning back-to-back Premier Leagues and 100 points every 100 points in 90, 198 points in two years that you need that so this is one of the biggest arguments against financial fair play um, is that it's supported by the big teams because they don't want another Man City they don't want another Chelsea of an owner who will come in and make 
a club competitive with the top six. So you have to with, with FFP. Team? You, I think you said a small team. The smaller teams, you mean? <laughs> the smaller teams, yeah. The, yeah. So, so if you look at the clubs that voted for FFP, Fulham, West Brom, Man City were obviously voted against it. Aston Villa, Swansea. And Sam those are the six clubs, I think it is, who voted against. Whereas the clubs we voted with um, were United, I mean, all, all the, the, the big culprits. Chelsea voted because they, they don't want an, an, another club to do what they did. Um, but FFP in general is seen as a uh, attempt from the big clubs to secure the, the top four or top six. It's interesting because financial fair play is almost, they try to replicate the American system in this. They wanted to put a cap on it. And it's funny because it's supposed to be a replica of the American system, yet Cronky, knowing all about the American system, can't seem to work in it. Well, so he's working it very well from his, from his perspective. He isn't, he isn't losing any money. Mm, he wants to get in the Champions League. That's going to make him more money. Does he want to do it? If he's not invested in Arsenal, he doesn't really care what he gets Champions League, does he? Well, mm, as long as he's making a good profit, but I think he can maximise his profits. If he invested a little bit, mm. I feel like he can maximise his profits a bit more. Mm. It's a bit unfair on the small teams because there's a thing saying that there's the gap between the top six and everyone else is huge. Yeah. Between just income and revenue, because unless you get European football, like so, you come seventh. Hopefully, mm. you're going to be stuck. And there's a whole big all the teams that go up and come down, go straight back down. They have a whole big issue with QPR. Yeah. The main problem with this with the QPR financial fair play. And yeah, I mean the, the the point of FFB as as a rule was to stop. Um, the the situation of I think Leeds United when when they got relegated I think the one year they were competing for the top four um, the year later they got relegated it's because of the the investment in, in the club and it, it made because the, the, because you have a quick loss a, a loss in one season um, it could lead to a financially, a financially unstable club which is why Daniel Levy has called the current spending of other clubs an unsustainable. Um, he doesn't think that except Arsenal Spurs. Except, <laughs> so he's 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 working with the, with the Spurs model of Arsenal, not spending anyone. Arsenal Spurs <laughs> are being the only two teams, and probably Man United, I'd assume as well. Yeah, that are yeah. meeting the demands. Liverpool, they're probably lucky this year that they won the Champions. Not lucky. So I'm bound to say you're lucky for winning the Champions League. But thanks to them winning the Champions League, their finances are probably a little bit better intact because they spent yeah. a huge amount of money this summer. Yeah. Van Dijk, Allison, those sort of players. Yeah, they they they, they did sell Coutinho. But football owners right now are a bit of a. Lots of them are a bit of a mess with Chelsea and all their policy. Um, Mike Ashley. Yeah. I can't believe no one thought of the pun yet, Mike Cashley, but. I'm pretty sure someone has. But no one's used it. It's a good t shirt for anyone in Newcastle fan wants to make it. Yeah, obviously t- today, if we're going to mention it. Um, well, Benitez is leaving. Yeah, big rougher. Because they're not pumping in enough money for him to spend. Yeah. Which is a kind of like the whole problem is teams pumping in money, yet the smaller teams, no one pumps money into them. Yeah. So it's like when they it's, when we talk about lower teams not pumping in the money, it's oh no, we feel bad for them. But when it's the big teams pumping in the money, everyone goes, oh my god, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's, the FFP is another, another reason for, for Mike Ashley not to invest in Newcastle because it, if he were to invest too much, and they made a loss, and they made a, a, a significant loss year after year. Um, they would be fined by financial fair play. The fines aren't that big, and the fines aren't that effective. And QPR was going to get back to QPR again, but they the fines they got were not anywhere near proportionate to the amount of money that they lost. So the clubs that the clubs are arguing that they should be given more harsher fines, and the the, the sort of rumours around a Man City uh, Champions League ban that I think means that UEFA or UEFA and FIFA are going. 
towards harsher bans for breaking furniture fair play rules. Um, but that's good or bad. Depends on Mike Ashley, the uh, Rafa Benitez, sorry, the Rafa Benitez sacking is probably the one. Of, it's quite one of the weirdest sackings ever because it's not. It's not like it's the end of the season. He's not done well. It's clear that he's. They've gone through the opening couple of weeks of transfer window. Mm. They've not given him any money to spend, and then he decided to leave. It's not a sacking, is it? It's, I think they, they, they couldn't agree a contract there. So we don't know whose whose fault that was. Well, I think we assume it was the owner. I assume it's not just down to the, they couldn't afford the cash, the wages for Benitez. Mm. Because if it wasn't the wages, he would have probably left ages ago. It was probably we waiting to see how much he was allowed to be given to spend, and he's not been given anything to spend. So, but I thought the rumours were Newcastle were getting taken over by Sheep Mangasaw's cousin. Yeah, I, I think the rumours have sort of died down. But I, I think if that happens. <laughs> they could get I don't know Jose Mourinho's available Benitez could go back <laughs> but I think it's this is kind of making it clear that Mike Ashley is staying yeah I mean he, possibly well, the, the new Sunderland Until I Die documentary is going to be coming out next year so hopefully they can watch that to enjoy that a bit more even though so even though Sunderland got promoted in it maybe they can find something to love in, new, in Sunderland being below them Mm-hmm. Even though they're being probably more successful and enjoying more time than them right now, are they? Really well, getting promoted is more fun than they haven't been promoted. D- they got promoted, did they not? To the championship. Some of them get promoted. They went to the playoff final. They didn't get promoted. And they lost. They won the Johnson Plate Trophy. No, they lost the Trophy. Trophy. Sorry, they, do, they got, <laughs> got to the final of that as well, and they lost it. <laughs> okay, maybe the new Sunday documentary is going to be more enjoyable than I thought. <laughs> I definitely thought they got promoted. Okay, okay, Newcastle. Um, the the Newcastle fans are going to be listening to an Arsenal first podcast. Um, I doubt it. I think probably probably more likely our, our fans from Griffith Town. They're, they're they're not really invested in this in this sort of story. If you if you are from Griffith Town, please reach out to us. <laughs> if we we if, please reach out to us on Twitter at Solcia Podcast. Quick plug. Let's finish this episode off with the hero of the week and villain of the week. Named after the legend that is Sol Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, this week's <laughs> so this week's hero is Marta. Just one name, like Beyonce. Um, and Ronaldo. Or nine, or nine Ronaldo as well. Yeah, Brazilians just do that. Beyonce isn't Brazilian. <laughs> um, uh, All relevant. Um, <laughs> Adele might be Brazilian though. She's Tottenham man. She's from Tottenham. You know. You know. But no, Marta is the hero of the week. Uh, she she has become the record number of. She has scored the record. She's a top goal scorer now. in closer with seventeen goals, yep. compared to his sixteen. But she so she this is her last World Cup. She had her last game. Uh, last night. Yeah. It was un, she unfortunately went out. It was a, it was a decent game, but. Uh, there was, I think, I think it was like fifteen minutes worth of VAR in that game. Mm. But she had an emotional time at the end of the game. She said a message, and it's a long quote, but she said, "You have to cry at the beginning to smile at the end. Wanting more, training more, caring more. Be ready to play as much as you can. There'll be no more. No more. There will be no Marta, Christina, Formiga forever. Women's football depends on you to survive. Value it more." So it's a nice role. She's a nice. She's a huge role model in women's football. Yeah. Um, she was probably, if you hadn't heard of women's football a couple of years ago, she was probably the most famous player you'd heard of. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. She's one, I mean, before I started getting invested in women's football, um, I. It was her, her, her and Kelly Marta, Smith yeah. were. Her and Kelly Smith were probably the two most 
predominant known footballers. Kelly Smith because she was English and she did a bunch of adverts and all that. But Marta, she's I don't know if I don't know how much about women's football in the history of it, but she might be the greatest ever. She might be like maybe there'll be uh, the maybe there will, there, will, there will be a podcast later to educate you on the history of women's football. Maybe just teasing you there. <laughs> but Marta is she's unfortunately retiring from Brazil and I think f- football in general. But she she became top goal scorer, which is why she's here of the week. And good luck to her in her future. <laughs> she's going to understand any of this. We'll be listening to this. Um, <laughs> Honourable mentions go to Lauren, the Arsenal right no, back. It doesn't go to Lauren. It does. This is, this is my bit now. Um, Honourable mention goes to Lauren after he came out with his brutally honest truth when he said, "There's no doubt that Tottenham are a better team than Arsenal. Tottenham finished above Arsenal this season, and they have consistently consistently been better for the past few years. And they can thank Pochettino for that." So I think, I mean, this this pretty much ends the whole debate. <laughs> I mean, the, the, those few Arsenal fans that were holding out that think Arsenal are still better than Spurs. Um, I think Lauren. An invincible sort of puts the nail on that he, coffin. He can go on the long, long shortest this week for villain of the week because there was so many to choose from. Yep. But the nominees basically were the VAR officials for how they deal with the goalkeeper standing off their line thing. Oh, the, the Scotland game, yeah. In the Scotland game and in the France game as well. It was a bit of a joke the way that they were treating it. And I don't think the, f- the officials in the Women's World Cup, no matter, how, it's been a good tournament, it's been okay, but I think the officials have done a Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt them, but they've done a bad job. I don't like that they've been told to keep their flag up and that sort of thing. But VAR officials are definitely a villain mm. um, or a nominee, uh, along with the Nigerian organisation who didn't pay their players. The mm-hmm. the women's team aren't getting paid, unfortunately, even though they've been promised it. And there's gonna. This is probably going to start a debate on uh, women's pay and compared to everyone else. But I think it's just down to. A single country, and I don't think it's fair to to enclose everyone. But it is quite a bad thing to see that um, they're not getting paid. So the Nigerian officials are also on the villain of the week, possibly Lauren as well. But the winner is the Cameroon women's team. After they had, um, I think they sort of they, they did. There was lots of problems in that game in England. They stopped stopped to play several times. Twice they refused to kick refused off. To kick off twice, even when they were they, they refused to play because they were protesting over an offside goal, which wasn't an offside goal. Um, and even though, when they were shown it, and it, I mean, it, it also proves that they, they that were behaving people, like children. Yeah, and Phil Neville wasn't very happy at all. This wasn't football. He did try and console the Cameroon manager in the game to kind of tell him it's not it's not that bad. Mm. Um, but the the the, the behaviour of the the women's team was just awful. Yeah, they were jumping around. They were crying, which I don't know if that's a negative or a positive. It shows that they care, but it also shows they're behaving a bit like babies, like crying because you don't get your way. And it it wasn't like it wasn't fair. It was clearly offside, yeah. and it was clearly onside for both of the big decisions. I think the the, the shows with the, with the whole VAR debate is that teams who loot, who, who VAR goes against are going to complain and get about VAR, even when they know it's the, it's the correct but decision. This this isn't this isn't that isn't the problem with VAR. That isn't the problem with VAR. And VAR debate can go on again. Yeah. But this, the problem with this was it was clear. So it, it, and no one else has behaved like this when it's not gone their way. VAR. This is the only time it's not gone. Arsenal. Arsenal Football Club. No, but in the derby, I, you still haven't stopped complaining about it. Honestly, the fact that, that Kano Kano's offside. Oh. But that's that's a VAR debate rather than a. Still haven't. That, that's what about. No, but that was an incorrect decision. You're still complaining about. We're it. We're talking about correct decisions that don't go your way. So there has been a couple of cases where VAR 
people have felt it's not got it's gone it's, it's an incorrect decision even though mm. VAR's overturned it so it's like but this was a clearly incorrect decision which sorry clearly correct decision which hadn't gone their way so yeah. the Cameroon team are the big baby villains basically the baby villains that doesn't sound as bad just the villains of the week also one one last one last honourable mention goes to the person who made the, per- the person who made that the, the image of that some Spurs fans saw of Tang Tangui and Dombele Tangai and Dombele, um, who looked it, it got all the Spurs fans hopes up, but that was that was not very nice of him. So, thank you for listening. That, that's the end of podcast number three. Um, see you next week. Please share. Follow us on Twitter at follow us on Twitter at Soul CA. We were told last week we were laughing over our pronunciation of it. Please, please follow us on Twitter. It would please. be very helpful. I've got no followers, please. At Sol, S O L C A podcast. On Twitter. On Twitter. That would be appreciated. Um, that will also give you updates if we have any new podcasts or new information about the podcast coming out. Um, so thank you for listening. And. Just like to remind you again this week that Sol Campbell is a traitor.